Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I have to teach our, our youth pastor, Josh, never to do a competition with girls and guns. Um, that, that's a losing battle right there. <laughs> uh, they, they have more guns than we realize, and so um, it's dangerous. Uh, competition. Well, it's good to see you guys. I hope you're having a great Sunday morning, and uh, what an incredible time of worship. Man, just to, to feel the presence of the Lord, feel God show up. I love that. I love when he shows up and, and meets us where we're at. I first want to say good job to all the volunteers and everybody who made Easter happen, and believe it or not, it, they make every weekend happen, and it's a blessing and so I want to thank you so much for all that you put into making Journey a great place to be and a great place to worship God, a great place for anyone to come and connect and enter, take their journey, and let's go with them on their journey and help them experience God in a very powerful way. I thought we had a great weekend. We have a great weekend every weekend, and I appreciate all the people that make that happen. Um, tonight at 5 o'clock, we have a finance update meeting. So if you're interested in, in uh, knowing what is happening here at Journey and as it relates to finances, we just want to encourage everyone to attend if you can. So uh, please be here tonight at 5 right in this room, and we will uh, give you a clear picture of where we are financially and how God is going to continue to meet those needs and, and, and what we're doing to adjust to meet the needs of uh, Journey Church. So um, again, thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness in giving. And tonight will be a great time of uh, just information for you guys and everyone to, to be up to speed as to where we are financially. All right. Living, loving, lasting, and laughing. Living, loving, lasting, and laughing. Can you say those with me? Living, loving, lasting, and laughing. We're going to do all of those together in the next four weeks. We're going to have a great time and uh, focusing on these four things that I think are so important to us as uh, people who are uh, working out our faith, working out the direction of our faith. And today we're going to focus on living. And uh, the intent of this series is to help us understand how to live fully in these areas, how to love, uh, live fully, how to love fully, how to last fully, how to laugh fully. My wife and I are going to speak that together um, because she's funnier than I and, um, and she's more fun than I am. And uh, she's an amazing individual, so I'm very, very excited to, to uh, speak in four weeks together. We'll, we'll be tag-teaming that, <clears throat> and it'll be a great, great time. But we're asking the questions, what does living really look like? What does loving really look like? What does lasting, lasting in life uh, really look like? Um, what does laughing look like? And I think that's important. I think all of those, those, those topics or those things are important to our faith, important to us continuing to grow in our faith and walk in, in Christ, and it's very, very exciting. And so, have you ever been asked the question or, or told, the, made the statement, uh, you haven't lived until you fill in the blank there? Have you ever been told that statement, you haven't lived until you've jumped out of a plane? Well, I, I don't want to die doing that either, you know. Um, you haven't lived until you've seen the Niagara Falls, or you haven't lived until, um, I know some of you are expecting me to say something about Mexican food, but uh, <clears throat> if you haven't had Mexican food, you're going to die, okay? You're going to die. <clears throat> Best cure for any ailment is menudo. If you have a good bowl, good hot bowl of menudo, that will cure just about anything. 
um, not just hangovers, and hopefully you're not experiencing those. But um, living is, is one of those things, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, I struggled with this message today. I struggled, um, like right up until yesterday, where I was feeling, God, I need you to really clarify what this living thing really is. And, and you'd think it would be simple for a pastor who's been a pastor for 35 years, who studies scripture, who teaches scripture, who's a professor at a university, all these things. And I'm like, I need to hear from you, God. And finally yesterday, uh, I feel like I did get that clarity that needed to happen for us to um, have a great morning. But you haven't lived until you've lived in faith. You haven't lived until you live in faith. You haven't lived until you understand what it means to give your life to Jesus completely. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I want to, if you, if you are here and you are a seasoned saint, you've been around a while, you may have just clicked off because that sounds so cliche. It sounds so cliche. Man, you haven't lived until you know faith in Jesus. And, and I'm going to bring, I hope, a fresh perspective to you because I think that we need to understand that that um, living is more than existing living is more than taking in breath living is more than going to work and getting a paycheck and making sure the bills are paid living is more than being here on a Sunday morning now hopefully this is one of your best days of the week hopefully it's one of your most motivational days of the week inspiring days of the week Hopefully it's one of those days where you, got, you walk away and you go, oh, I just met with God. That's what, that's what our goal is every Sunday, is that you have this m- moment where you connect with God. But the truth is, if we don't live for something, then we live for nothing, which isn't living at all. You hear that statement? Do you see that on the screen? If we don't live for something, then we uh, are living for nothing which means we're not living at all. You might be taken in breath. You may have a heartbeat. You may uh, go and get your blood drawn and the doctor goes, good. That's not living. That just means that your heart's pumping and you're alive. But it doesn't mean that there's a living experience that you're having. And what I want to, to do this morning is talk about what Jesus said about living. In John 10, Verse 7, it says this. It says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever, open, whoever enters through me will be saved. Then They will come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, Jesus is going to take care of us. Amen? That's a good thing. The thief comes only to steal... And kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Can you say that very last phrase with me? And have it to the full. This is crazy. I've not preached this passage like this, and this is the clarity that came to me. It was a revelation of truth. And I think it's so important to understand this particular passage. And it, it, it's been quoted, it's been used, it's, been, it's become cliche in the church. It's become a, a, a famous passage. The thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And we use that a lot in our language and in our conversation. But uh, the next part is what we, we really rest our hearts and our faith in. But I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Or some uh, translations say life abundantly. 
It's awesome. It's powerful. It's really good. But it needs to be understood. It needs to be taken to that next level of of depth that I think is really important. First of all, we have to understand that there is a thief out there that would do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. That word steal, the the Greek words are klepto. (laughs) See where we get kleptomaniac from? The klepto, he he wants to take from us. He wants to kill or slaughter is the literal meaning of that word thio. And destroy, apolomai. He wants to completely obliterate you and me. But he doesn't do that by just, you know, kind of the, the, the destroying or the killing of, of our throats and, and, and our lives and our heartbeats. He does that by taking things from us that we think are valuable or that are valuable that, that we don't hold on to. That he takes away our joy. He takes away our peace. He takes away our comfort. He takes away the things that, that hold us together, the emotional strength. He creates doubt in our lives. And when we, we, when we begin to embrace that doubt, all of a sudden we're not living anymore. But most importantly, what he'll take away from you is your faith. If he can get you to doubt and if he can get you not to live in a place where you are dependent on God and you think you have your solution, he has stolen life from you. If he can get us to the point where we think that we are in control and that we have to, this is all up to us, that this life, the only thing that really matters is that we have control of it and that we're taking our our lives into our own hands and we're self-made people, then he has stolen life from you. If on a daily basis you are stressing out and and dying because you think that everything is up to you, he has stolen life from you. It's not the heartbeat. It's not the pulse. It's not the cancer. It's not those things that that we think in, in terms of life. No, it is the joy. It's the peace. It's the faith that we must have in Christ that gets stolen. I love the end of this passage. It says, I have come that you might have life. The, the, word, the Greek word is Zoe. We used to have a dog named Zoe. And I would, I would characterize her as, as a full of life. She was amazing. Uh, uh, <clears throat> golden retriever. And just amazing dog. was so great. I would take another one if my wife would let me. <laughs> but life... And then it says, and have it to the full. And here's where we're going to focus on. Have it to the full. What that word means, it's the, the, the Greek word. I don't often throw around a whole bunch of Greek, but per, parasos, parasos is the word, and it means extraordinary. It means unexpected. If we, <clears throat> it means a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than one could expect. That's what full means. A quantity so abundant as to, considerably, uh, uh, as to be considerably more than one could expect. Life is intended to be better than expected, bigger than expected, more than you could ever imagine. That's the life that he wants to give us. Amen. And the enemy wants to steal that from us. 
He wants to take it from us. He wants to take away the living that God intended for us to experience. Now, I know what we most often put into the context of life. There's going to be finances. There's going to be freedom. There's going to be peace. There's going to be all these things that we consider blessings because we compare ourselves with the rest of the world who, who looks at money and looks at all these other things as the way of life. That is not, and it's the American way of culture. To look at blessing and life in the context of, of what we have and what we can enjoy and the freedoms we experience. None of those is true life. None of those are, are really what we put our, our hope and trust in. And what I want to do today is try and define for us what it means to live life in Christ, in faith. Because that's where we will experience the best of life. That's where we will experience the more than expected, the the unbelievable, the miraculous, the the incredible, the the things that cause people to go, what? Shut up. Are you kidding me? Somebody was getting their car fixed this week, and they thought it was going to cost them a whole bunch of money, and they went and found out that someone had paid the bill. What? Are you kidding me? Whoever paid that bill is living life, and whoever received that gift is living life because it's God who does those things. It's God who does those things. So you haven't lived until you live your salvation in faith. Let's start there. We haven't lived until we live our salvation in faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Say that with me. Through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's say that again. The gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. And this is the key. This is the part that is the fullness of understanding what living is. For we are God's work, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So living means that we are free from the burdens of sin and shame because of what Jesus did, and we believe in that work by faith. We don't work for that work. Amen? Amen. We, don't, we don't work for our salvation. If you are here today to find some tr- kind of favor in, from God because you showed up to church and you think that is, is saving you, you're wrong. Showing up to church doesn't do a thing for your salvation. Your faith in what God did on the cross is what saves you your faith your belief that god died on that that jesus died on that cross and that he bore the the pain of your sin he paid the price for your sin there's nothing you can do to pay that price there's nothing that you can do to earn that right there's nothing that you can do to get to heaven except accept jesus and the work that he did on the cross now let's start there because that's the beginning of life that's not life itself Listen, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works. 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, if we want to live the fullness of our salvation in faith, then we must understand that the, the intent of the faith is to cause us to be a good influence and good workers in this world. That's the fullness. That's the life. The life is guaranteed that we're in heaven. There's no problem with that. But we must not stop there. Salvation isn't a life insurance policy. Salvation is a life-changing experience. It makes us different. It changes everything we're about. And when we live in faith, we live to the extent that the fullness of life becomes the works that we do in the service of God. If you're not doing anything for God today, you need to check your heart. We okay? <laughs> I know, I can tick some of you off pretty easily. <clears throat> this is truth. This is power. This is what living is really intended to be, is that when we are saved, we become instruments in the hands of God. And if you want to live the full life, if you want to live the life of unexpected, uh, unbelievable happenings, unbelievable blessings, then when we start doing things for God, God shows up. We're not saved so we can warm a seat. We're saved so we can make a difference. We're saved because Jesus prepared in advance works for you and me to do so that we could show him to this world. And that's exactly what living in faith means. That's what living in our salvation means. It means that we're not trying to get our way to heaven we're on our way to heaven but on our way we're going to tire ourselves out doing things for god that makes a difference in this world so you haven't lived until your salvation results in good works you haven't lived until your life is so changed that the only thing you can do is represent jesus at your work at your school in your dating life, in your marriage, in your home, in your parenting, in your finances, in everything that you do, you haven't lived until God is involved in all of it. That's when your salvation is being lived out in faith. You haven't lived until you use your gifts and hear people praise God as a result. Let's make some sense of that one. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that, and anytime you see a scripture that says so that, that means that there is a reason that God does all of that for this purpose, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. There's not one person in this room that hasn't received a gift, that hasn't received a talent, that hasn't received a, 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 a something in your life that God has intended for you to use to serve others, not serve yourself. 
God hasn't given you your gift to pad your pocketbook. God hasn't given you your gift to pad your pride or to elevate yourself. God hasn't given you your gift so that you could just be satisfied in the talents and skills that you have. No, all the gifts that we have collectively in this room are intended to bring praise to God. That's the, that's the intent. And we haven't lived until somebody says, praise God, because what you just did made a difference. Hear that? Well, let me ask the question now. What has happened in your life? Who has praised God because of something you've done? I'm not saying we need to go walk around asking everybody, can you just praise him because of what I just did for you? That's backwards. That's backwards. That's looking for compliments. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm insecure enough, and I'll be real. I'm insecure enough to where if I don't hear a compliment, I'm like going, oh, no, I messed up. But I'm also secure enough in understanding what God has called me to do that sometimes those don't come because I just stepped on a whole bunch of toes. Thank you, Pastor, for stepping on my toes. Thank you for making that hurt. Thank you for bringing the Holy Spirit into the room to, make convict, to convict my heart. Some, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> those, those aren't common words. But let's ask ourselves, who am I serving right now? Who are my gifts benefiting? Who's benefiting from those gifts that I'm using? What am I doing to make another person's life better? What am I doing to, to, to serve the needs of people around me? And they don't recognize me. They recognize the Jesus in me that's causing me to serve. That's given me that gift. That's given me the ability to do what we do. Probably, that was actually seven years ago. Um, I was up in Seattle and I was an executive pastor at a church and a gentleman in the church died. He fell off his boat and landed on his head and, and passed away. Very, very, very popular guy. I spent hours and days in the hospital with them as, as his brain continued to swell and finally this family had to come to a terrible decision to to let him pass. And there are two boys in this, in this family, one Trey and the other Thomas. And Thomas was an outgoing guy and we connected well, but Trey was a guy that just kind of sat in the corner. And I tried to reach out to him and, Trey, I'm praying for you, buddy. I love you. I'm so sorry for your dad. I just remember the pain this family went through. It becomes very real to me as I tell the story. And I didn't think I made a difference in Trey's life. I didn't think that we connected ever. And a year and a half ago, I get a phone call from his dad's phone. That was weird. <laughs> what? Who is this? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and it was Trey. And Trey said, Pastor, I want you to know that you encouraged my faith to the degree that I'm serving him today. You helped me know that Jesus is with us even though my dad was dying. You helped me see the difference 
you help me know Jesus in that moment. And he didn't say that in that moment. He didn't know that in that moment. But several years later, God spoke to him and said, this is how that happened. This is that connection. And he called me and he thanked me. But most importantly, he said, I just thank God that you were there. A little over a year ago, one of the privileges that I have and one of the challenging things that I have as a, as a chaplain here in town, I was called to a home, I think it was uh, pretty late in the evening, a wife had come into the house and found her husband passed away. A year later, she says, on December 9th, you were called to help me deal with the death of my most loving husband, my husband was 85 years old and died suddenly from a heart attack. My children were not able to get our parish priest here, so the fireman or policeman called you. I just would like to thank you for all your kind and loving words. And she said a few more things, but she was grateful that that day I was able to bring hope, solace in a situation. And I don't say that to puff me up or brag or anything because I give God all the credit for that kind of thing but when we when we use our gifts I'm a cha- I'm not a chaplain because I'm, I'm cool with cops I'm a chaplain because I love people and God's given me that love and God's given me a compassion God's given me a gift of helping people through tough times and and being there in those ugly terrible challenging moments and I believe that if we are to, to, to understand that we're being used by God, that we're using our gifts, then the result of that will be gratitude and praise towards God. And all I did in any situation like these was just bring God into the situation. It's, there's no, I offer no help when your dad falls off a boat and hits his head and dies. I offer no hope. To, to someone who, whose husband has a heart attack. But what I can bring is the person, the only person who can bring hope. And that's through a gift that he's given me. To love and help people in those situations. And I believe that every person in this room has a gift to serve others. And when we use that gift, we are blessed to be able to say, you are going to be okay. God is using a gift, whatever that may be. When Leanna sings, she has a gift of leading worship. And when she sings, I'm like, okay, God, thank you so much for Leanna. Because if it was up to me, this place would be empty. You guys don't want to hear me sing. I think I can sing. But Simon Cowell would say, you need to get off this stage. You haven't lived until you use your gifts and hear people praise God as a result. You haven't lived until you live your salvation in faith and your works begin to change. You haven't lived until you understand that giving is a real experience in our spiritual walk with God. I'm never uncomfortable talking about money or giving or time or, or your talent because giving is, is, is scriptural, it's powerful, it's a reality, it's part of our spirituality. And if we don't include that in this, in this list of things that we, we know we're living, the truth is you haven't lived until you abound in every good work because you gave. Listen, 
2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's, that, that passage has been spoken of over and over and over again, and it's true, it's real, it's powerful, but here is the fullness of the experience. Here's that go beyond the expectation. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times. Remember so that? Remember so that? Here's another so that. So that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That word abound is the same word that's used in the first passage of Scripture where it says God will give us a full life. It's the same Greek word. And and what it means is that you will have more than you could ever imagine to do in all your works. Everything that you do, everything you put your hand to, if you are a faithful giver, you will be an exponentially powerful doer. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't understand how it all works. I, I don't. I, God's economy is completely different than everybody else's. He can do more with whatever we give him than we could ever do with it ourselves. So my encouragement is don't hold on to it. Give it to him. And what's going to happen in your life, first of all, the measure with which you give will be the measure of your blessing. You so... Uh, uh, um, sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. But then it goes on to say, you will, you will be able to do great works because you've given. So when we give, when we give of ourselves, when we give of our finances, our talent, our treasure, our time, all those things, when we give of those, God empowers it to go far beyond our imaginations. That's the truth of this scripture. That's the reality of of living in faith, is going to that place where we put our everything in the bucket. And I'm not saying just empty your bank accounts. Some of you may need to. But whatever God puts on your heart, that's what the scripture says. Don't give out of compulsion or reluctance, but give out of what God puts on your heart. So he loves a cheerful giver. Only cheerful givers who choose to do what they're doing are the ones that enjoy it. But if you really want to live, if you want to go to that full point of living to the extent that God intends, then it means that we live in faith, which means we live understanding that everything we have is God's. And we give it all to him. It starts with the tithe. It continues with generosity, the over and above the tithe. And when it goes that far, then the generosity kicks in and the blessings flow. But the blessing isn't always the financial part. It's the effectiveness of our work. You will abound in every good work. It doesn't say you will abound in finances. Nor does it say it'll be easy. It just says you will abound. You will have more than you could imagine. It is beyond your your capacity to understand what can happen when we are faithful in our giving. You haven't lived until you live in the faith of your salvation, which changes our works. You haven't lived... When we, until you've used your gifts and you hear people praising God for it and you haven't lived until you give and you abound in every good work. And lastly, and, and this is where we'll wrap it up, 
You haven't lived until the power of God moves, you, moves through you. You haven't lived until you feel and know the power of God moving through you. There's nothing better. Do you remember, um, it was, I think it was a Budweiser commercial. I, I know you only watch Christian TV. Um, it was a Budweiser commercial, and uh, it said some, something like, you know, it doesn't, they're sitting by a fire, and, and they're drinking a beer, and it just doesn't get any better than this. Well, let me just say, if it doesn't get any better than that, <laughs> there's not much of a life there to begin with, okay? <laughs> let me just say that. <laughs> if it doesn't get any better than that, then... <laughs> Man, your life is awful. Um, <clears throat> life is nothing better than what's in this aluminum can. Nothing is better than when you feel God and his power come on you. And you see something happen that could never happen in your own power. In your own power. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a power that God desires to put in us that makes a difference in the world. That gives us the boldness and confidence to share our story about who we believe in and why we believe in him. Doesn't mean we have to have all the answers. It doesn't mean that we have to, that, that the result will necessarily be belief. The power doesn't uh, always get received. People don't always get saved when you share your story. But when you do it in faith and believe that God's power is moving through you, it's not up to you, then that's when the power takes over. You're the faithful instrument, and through that instrument comes the power of God, and then life has changed. That's the intent. And you haven't lived until that happens. You haven't lived until that happens, and it doesn't have to happen just from a platform like this. I say, well, Pastor, you speak every weekend, and God moves through you, and, you know, life has changed, and, you know, that's really cool, and you see people's lives change. That's great. It's awesome. And yes, I cannot tell you what a joy it is to be a part, a conduit of God's blessing to you, hopefully, prayerfully. But I, but I, I can also tell you that it, it's amazing when you're, when you're uh, walking along the road and you meet somebody and you begin to tell them about Jesus and there's a spark that happens. It's not you. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God to change life. It's the power to bring hope. It's the power to bring joy to a, a situation or a circumstance that we could never do without Jesus in our lives, without the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God wants to make a difference through us. And he does that by making a difference in us. And if we will experience the power of the Holy Spirit, you haven't lived. You haven't lived until you've experienced uh, the, the, the power of God moving through you. It's not in a beer can. It's in a experience and a relationship with the Almighty God and his spirit working through us. I have come that you might have life and life to the full. 
Life to the beyond imagination. Life to the unexpected. Life beyond what you thought was going to happen in your life. Life what you believe in your potential. I see some young people over here. And you think you've been through challenges and those kinds of things. Yes, you have. And I will not minimize that. But I want to tell you, your potential is in yielding your life to Jesus and acting in faith in him. And when you do... You, when you do, the world will not change you. You will change the world. And that goes for all of us in this room. That goes for all of us in this room. This isn't about the cliches of Christianity. Oh, yeah, Jesus will bring life and we'll have life to the full. Oh, in that happy moment. No, this is going beyond that and understanding that God wants us to live in the faith of our salvation. Faith requires works and deeds. Faith requires us to move beyond the average into the above average. And what that means is that we are simply obedient to him. And when we are obedient, then God pours out the power. God pours out the blessing. God pours out what we cannot imagine. What we cannot imagine is when, when we give our full heart to Jesus. We can't be halfway in, halfway out. He wants to give us a life that we could never imagine. He wants to fill up, fill us up more than we could ever imagine. He wants to give us power that we could not imagine. He wants us to use our gifts and watch God use gifts that we thought were just average skills and talents. Not at all. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, those things explode into the lives of others and make a difference. I believe in every person in this room, from the balcony to this front row, Byron, God is going to use you if we will just live in faith and complete faith in him. God, I believe today that you are challenging hearts in this room to go beyond maybe just a Sunday church experience, to go beyond the religious experiences that we often kind of measure as our success, our Bible reading and our prayer. Those are great things. Those are important things. But God, you're challenging us to go further and to act in faith, to act in faith. You desire that our salvation not just be fire insurance for heaven, but God, that it would be, it would change our lives and our deeds would become deeds of God. Works of God, works that make a difference in this world. You desire, God, for us to take our gifts and our talents and not just use them for ourselves, but to see people recognize them as gifts from God and praise God for those gifts. You desire more than anything for our generosity to to be measured, Lord, not by the amount of dollars that we give, but by the works that we end up being able to do because of our generosity. You bless our works by enabling, you bless our dollars by enabling us to do good works. And I thank you for that. And God, you desire to pour your power into us and that we could see something happen that there's no way it could happen without you. And I pray for every heart in this room, Lord, that right now you would begin to challenge us to do and to be and to reach out to you more than ever before so that we can be used by you. Because, Lord, you desire to give us life and life to the full. Help us not to just treat that as a cliche, but help us to act in faith, believing 
that our full life will be experienced by obedience to you. I thank you and I praise you for that, God. I thank you, God, that you're challenging lives right now. What will it mean to wake up tomorrow morning and have this message, these words, the Bible, affect your life? It will mean tomorrow morning, or maybe right even this moment, you completely yield everything to God. And you anticipate that there will be no more static moments in your life, that there will always be an opportunity for God to do something in you and through you. You're going to look for that opportunity at work. You're going to look for that opportunity in your home. You're going to look for that opportunity. Whatever it is, your faith is going to be part of everything you do. So tomorrow morning you wake up and say, God, use me today. Use my gifts. Let my faith become active deeds. Let my generosity reflect my heart. And most importantly, let my generosity reflect God's heart. And let your power make a difference in my life. That's the prayer we pray every morning. God, use me. God, let my faith be real. Let my salvation play out in its deeds. Let my gifts be evident to, that, that you are evident in my gifts. Let my generosity show your love and grace to this world and help me do more for you, God. And let your power be evident in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're online or you're on site and you, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet. I want to encourage you right now just to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's simple, but it's meaningful. It's powerful. It means that you believe in what we're just talking about here. And it most importantly means that you are confessing your sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. That's the prayer that you pray. Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead and I commit to follow you in faith for the rest of my life. If that's you and you'd like to pray that prayer today, will you just pray it with me? Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I accept your forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross to forgive me of my sin. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life and will spend eternity with you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.